Coming from the uh, miraculous day of Lagva Imer, day of Shemba Yochai, um, the, uh, the Shabbos that follows the day of Lagva Imer is the time when all of the energy of Lagva Imer ascends. And since Shabbos blesses all the coming days of the week, so this coming week is blessed by the day of Lagba Imer and the day of Pesach Sheni. And it's a time when brachas come down to the world in the merit of Rabbi Shemba Yochai. There's an interesting um, distinction between Rabbi Shemba Yochai and Choni Hamagil. Both of them performed many miracles. One of the miracles that they both performed equally, they both did the same miracle, was when the world needed rain, they, um, they uh, brought rain to the world, but they brought it in different ways. Choni Hamagil famously... Uh, the Jewish people asked him to pray for rain. There was a drought. And Choni HaMagel drew a circle. He stood inside the circle. And he said, God, I'm not leaving this circle until it rains. And then a few drops came down. And Choni HaMagel said to God, that he's not, that wasn't the kind of rain he was asking for. And then the torrents of rain came down. He said, that wasn't what I was asking for either. Rain of blessing. And then rain of blessing came down. So... Rabbi Shema Yochai, on the other hand, the way he brought rain was, he recited the verse, how good and how sweet it is when brothers sit together. And as soon as he recited that verse and explained that what that verse means, the rain started to come down. So Rabbi Shema Yochai, he didn't speak to God or pray to God or make an ultimatum like Chani Magil. He just, he just uh, explained that what that verse meant and, and the rain came down. So let's go to Choni Magal for a second. What's the big idea of making a circle and standing inside a circle? If you wanted to make an ultimatum with God, he could have said, I'm going to stand in a corner. I won't move. I won't eat. I won't drink. What's the meaning of standing in a circle? One, one thing that's unique about standing in a circle is that while you're in a circle, every part of you is, every part of you is, encompasses, is encompassed in that circle. There's no part of you which is more in the circle than any other, other part of you, you're totally inside that circle. So, on a spiritual level, the, the idea of being in a circle means that you're totally devoted to what you're doing, and it doesn't matter whether it's something that you naturally have an aptitude for it, or an affinity for it, or a experience in, in something. The idea of standing in a circle means doesn't matter what it is, you're because it's something God wants you to do, you're there. There's things that we, we do better we have, we're, we're better at than others, things that we, we have a natural our palate or our spiritual palate enjoys more than others. Standing in a circle means that whether it's something which is associated with my head or whether it's associated with my feet, it doesn't matter. It's kind of like the verse we recite in the Hallel. On the Hashem it's, which is translated as please Hashem, I'm your servant, please answer me but the word please usually is read with, is written with an aleph here the word please is written with a hey so previous Rebbe explains that here we're saying to God wherever I'm going to be God doesn't matter what I'm going to do, wherever I'm going to be ani avdacha, I am your servant so Chonya Magal was saying to God I'm your servant God and that expression of, of devotion to Hashem, that's what brought the rain down. Now let's go to Rabbi Shem Yochai. 
Rabbi Shimon Yochai was teaching Torah. Torah is naturally something which is associated with logic, with understanding, as the Torah itself says about itself, Ki amim. Torah is called the wis- our wisdom in the eyes of the nations. So it's something which is associated with processing and logic and back and forth. And you'd think that because it's something which has to do with logic, so it's not a circle, it's not a circular activity. Not sure if that's an English word that I just invented to explain a Kabbalistic concept. It's not a circular activity in the sense that it's about total devotion. It's rather it's something which you're using your mind. It's not something which is which 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 fits into a the circle of Choniamagil because it's something which is more intellectual, something which is associated with the higher parts of yourself. That's for regular people. But for Shemba Yochai, although he was studying Torah, for him his Torah study was on the same level as prayer. With his Torah study, he expressed his total devotion to Hashem, total connection to Hashem. As he said on the day of his passing, as long as I've been attached to this world, I've been attached to Hashem. And now what Rabbi Shemar Yochai said, my, my neshama is one with him, my neshama is inflamed with him, my neshama cleaves to him. Yisraelik, Yisraelik, can please pass the, please get the plug. Thanks. So, the neshama of Rabbi Shemar Yochai is inflamed and cleaves to Hashem. That's what he said on the, on the day of his passing. So Chassidus explains that even when he studied Torah, even when he was doing something intellectual, it wasn't, there was no trace of anything intellectual. It was just a connection to God, like, Magal, like the story of Chodim Magal and, his, and the circle. There's a story of two tzaddikim. I don't remember the name of the tzaddikim. Just remember there was a father and son. And the father, uh, the father told his son that whenever they study Torah together, um, if he ever feels that he's, he's, if he ever feels that it's intellectual, he doesn't feel the godly quality in the Torah study. He gave his son his glove. He says, "Just touch my gloves." If you, if if it feels too intellectual, touch my gloves. So usually, that was necessary when they were studying Torah. They felt uh, talking to Hashem, but suddenly, when they were um, studying one particular intricate section of Torah. He felt he needed to touch his, the gloves of his father, and his father said, "My son, at that moment, I need to touch those gloves too." So, Rabbi Shimba Yochai, although he is, though he's teaching Torah, but the experience isn't intellectual. The experience is connection to Hashem. I I think that although this upcoming parsha seems to say very clearly, and doesn't seem to be something very novel and something that we all believe in, and something which is really part of the 13 principles of our faith, I don't think it's something that people really thought as relevant, thought of it as relevant as, as people do today. What I'm referring to is that the opening verse of this Torah portion says, if you will keep my commandments, God says, I will give you rain in its season, which doesn't only mean rain, but the Hebrew word for rain, Geshem, is related to all physical things. In other words, all physical blessings come down to the world through keeping God's commandments. So that's something we know, it's part of our faith, that there's a reward for our commandments. But among Jewish philosophers, there's a discussion about how does this reward work? Does Hashem reward us 
in a miraculous way or in a supernatural way. I'll tell you what I mean. You tell your child, look both ways before you cross the street and I'll give you a lollipop. So your child looks both ways before he crosses the street and he gets to the other side and you give him a lollipop. There's two rewards he got. One reward was that he was safe and he crossed the street. The second reward is that you got a lollipop. The natural result of what he did was that he was, he was protected from oncoming traffic. The miraculous thing that happened was the lollipop. It, wasn't, it was something that there was intervention on your part that you caused, that you brought this into the picture to encourage him to look both ways. In a similar way, there's, there's a discussion about God's reward for the Jewish people. Is it something that God put into the fabric of creation that when I do more mitzvahs, when I, do, when I keep more of God's commandments, there is a greater blessing? Or is it something supernatural that God just injects into creation at the moment? So the truth is that uh, there is a discussion among philosophers about this, but it seems from Hasidus that the conclusion is that a mitzvah is a channel of divine blessing itself. It's not that God rewards us for our mitzvahs, but rather the mitzvah itself it, by the performance of the mitzvah itself, it changes and it causes things to happen. I want to share with you a few stories on, on, this, on this theme. That, something which I think is, again, is more, people consider more relevant today because of the hundreds and thousands, literally thousands of stories of the Rebbe advising people uh, to do slight things in their lives to better their, their lives physically by adding something spiritually. The Rebbe told so many people to check their tefillin, to check their mezuzahs, make sure they're kosher when they needed blessings from all things in life. So that we look at this naturally today that when someone needs a blessing, oh, check your mezuzahs, check your tefillin. But this is something that that uh, has become the norm, but not something that that always was that way. So there's a few stories in that that highlight this idea. First, I'm going to share. Um, I don't think it's published anywhere. Uh, I heard this uh, from a friend of mine. I, I uh, didn't get permission from him to quote his name, so I will not quote his name. Um, he, his mother, was friendly with. I call my friend Yankel. Yankel's mother was friendly with a woman in Belgium, who was fab- very, very wealthy, extraordinarily wealthy, and there was some kind of. Um, question the government had about something, some of their assets. And instead of this being a discussion of back and forth or an investigation or a court case, the government just froze all their assets. So they were literally, they went from being like, you know, the Forbes 500 to being penniless. And this, my friend's Yankel's mother was very upset and, she, and her son had just begun um, connecting with the Rebbe and Chabad, and uh, he, he saw how his mother was really bothered by this. And this went on for a long time. His mother kept on talking about her friend and how she was suffering. <coughs> and it was going on for months and months. About 11 months after this story began, he one day said to his mother, you know, Mom, we should really call the Rebbe's office. Because the Rebbe... You know, his, his blessings are miraculous. Let's call the Rebbe's office. His mother wasn't religious at all, and he was the one who was like this, you know, gung-ho in returning to Judaism and starting keeping mitzvahs. So he called the Rebbe's office. His mother agreed, okay, call, you want to call? And the, um, the Rebbe's secretary took information and he called back, 
and said that they should check the mezuzahs. Okay, check the mezuzahs. So his mother called her friend in Belgium, and her friend says, we don't have any mezuzahs. Okay. So my friend, you know, he's a new returning to Judaism. He calls back up Rabbi Groner al-Vashalom. What should we do? They don't have mezuzahs. So Rabbi Groner says, what do you think we should do? If they don't have, the Rebbe says to check mezuzahs, they don't have mezuzahs, let's get the mezuzahs. So this was on a Thursday. On a Thursday, they got the mezuzahs. He called up the rabbi, one of the rabbis in Belgium. I don't remember. I don't remember which one it was. And they put up the mezuzahs. And by the following Monday, the government had returned the first. This the story happened, if I remember correctly, in the 1989. And the gov- the government had returned the first five hundred thousand dollars of their possessions by that Monday. And within several weeks, all of their assets were returned to them, just suddenly. And and they, his mother, my friend's mother, this inspired her to start lighting Shabbos candles and to keep kosher, because she saw in her own, with her own eyes how, not, how her friend was suffering such a long time, and all of a sudden, they had to give advice, and they put up mezuzahs, and, and, the, and the miracles happened. So, similar, similar thing we've seen and so many times with the Nebuchadnezzar's blessings, this idea of add this mitzvah and and the blessings will come as, as in the title of this upcoming week's Torah portion, keep, if you'll keep my mitzvahs, I will give you rain in its season. Similar story. A little, little bit. <coughs> there was a, there was a, there was a, uh, a lawyer from Argentina who had a friend who was not religious at all, and uh, his friend had a daughter who who wasn't wasn't well, and the doctors the the uh, story is printed in in Rabbi Halprin's uh, book of Yechidus doesn't say exactly what the illness was, and this this the lawyer Rabbi Mr. Salfoy, uh, he had uh, wanted he's a dear friend of his he wanted to ask him for a bracha. For uh, Shmuel Dov Salfoy, Argentina, he wanted to ask the Rebbe for bracha for, for his friend, but he was unsure whether or not to mention to the Rebbe that his friend doesn't keep Torah mitzvahs. He wasn't sure that's an important point to mention or not. He didn't know what the protocol was exactly. I'm not sure what the back and forth was. I mean, if he knows he's writing to the Rebbe, then the Rebbe has divine inspiration. But I don't know, maybe he felt like he was incriminating his friend by writing that he doesn't keep Torah. But he decided, based on the advice of others, just write the Rebbe what the issue is, and his name, and his mother's name, and don't have to write what level of his religious observance is. Zebra responded. The uh, Rabbi Shmuel, Dev Sheikhem, quoting the, the letter, for in response to your facts on the 20th of Adar, for this and this person, the Torah says, if you will keep my mitzvahs, this is from this week's Torah portion, I will give you, etc. I mean, I'll give you rain in its season and all that a person needs. And I'll there be continue, concluded, I will mention you for prayer at the OL. So after getting this answer, Shmoldov said that he was shocked because all of the, um, and also the rabbis who he consulted were also shocked because 
the Rebbe exhibited over here in this letter clear divine inspiration. He didn't tell the Rebbe that his friend doesn't keep any mitzvahs, and yet the Rebbe is responding, if you'll keep my mitzvahs, Hashem says, if you'll keep my commandments, you'll have the rain. This will be a blessing for your daughter. So he wasn't sure how to give this answer to his friend. You have to keep mitzvahs all of a sudden. No? So he also knew that that this family in general had an aversion to to becoming more religious. Not just they weren't religious, but they had an, they had like a, an aversion to it for whatever reason. But on their hand, the Rebbe gave clear words over here. If they'll keep mitzvahs, God says all the person's needs are, are given. So, so he decided he's going to offer them smaller and easier mitzvahs. As we learned in today's Pirkei Avot, one mitzvah leads to another mitzvah. By the way, the Me'iri says, the, mitzvah, the words of the Mishnah are, be careful with an easy mitzvah, like you're careful with a harder mitzvah. Because, says the Me'iri, one mitzvah leads to another. So the Me'iri explains if there's a mitzvah that's hard for you, the, the best way to make that mitzvah more accessible and easier to you is by doing a mitzvah that's easy. In other words, by being careful with the easy mitzvahs, one mitzvah leads to another, that will help you to do the harder mitzvahs. So the, mitzvah, the, 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 the mission is saying, be careful with a lighter mitzvah, like you're careful with a harder mitzvah. Do the ones that you're good at. Just because you can't do the harder ones, don't, don't, don't give up. Do the ones you are good at. And one mitzvah leads to another, and that will help you do the harder ones. That's what happened to this person as well. They started with Shabbos candles, making Kiddush, and uh, after, after a couple of um, weeks of them keeping these, these mitzvahs, they told them about the Rebbe's response. And then they started earnestly making steps in their Judaism, and despite the, the doctor's pro, uh, prognosis that their daughter will never see any development in her, um, in her condition, she did indeed see significant de- development, as the Torah says, if you'll keep my mitzvahs, I will give you a rain in its season. Rabbi, uh, okay, it's time to go. So I'm just going to tell you uh, two more things, and I'll let you guys go. One is that Rabbi Benjamin Cohen from Melbourne, Australia, that had the yeshiva there, uh, he was in a private audience with the Rebbe. The Rebbe told him more Torah, more blessing. Again, the same theme. And one final point, not so much related to the point we're saying tonight, but it's a great story nonetheless. Uh, there is a Jew in London, his name is Ram Yaakov Morris, who was a, has been a judge in English court for many, many years. And uh, he came to the Rebbe to ask for a blessing, and, he, and we came to the Rebbe by dollars. The Rebbe told him he should judge with kindness. He said this was really something that guided his work throughout his life. You know, he's, he's, he was in he was in a family court. He had to award children, custody to parents, and there was one line to him: "Judge with kindness." He said, "Really, is what is what really guides every one of his his decisions." He, has, he considers that like I have to judge with kindness. His wife was by the Rebbe. She is a biochemist, and she was going to work in um, she, in a laboratory. And, 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 and she asked the Rebbe if she should take the position. And the Rebbe said, this position, this position will help not only for you personally, it will also help the Klal, will also help the Jewish community. And he had no idea what that meant. Well, why will this help the Jewish community? I mean, it's a job in a, in a, in a laboratory. Um, she's going to take a, she's a biochemist, she's going to take a job in a laboratory. Why will this help the Jewish community? 
But then after her working this position for several years, she got a call from Rabbi Eckstein from Williamsburg, from, from Dor Yashonim. Dor Yashonim is the organization that helps primarily Ashkenazi Jews with, um, with the uh, Tay-Sachs and other uh, uh, issues that come up before uh, considering your prospective mate, you do, the, do these do tests to make sure that there won't be any, uh, God forbid, any, any uh, uh, diseases. So this this um, this uh, organization needed a a uh, lab in England to do these tests, and she Baruch Hashem took on this responsibility so that the Dorya Sharim tests could be could be taken care of. The um, and the reason I'm mentioning that, that that story is because it's not only that we do God's commandments and it gives us physical blessing, but the Alter Rebbe said that God gives the Jewish people physical blessing, and with the physical blessing, I'm taking you. No, you gotta arrive at Newman. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, good to walk, And his bottom line is that Alter Rebbe says Hashem gives the Jewish people. Um, physical blessing, and with the physical blessing, we create something spiritual. So, so there's so that you see there's a symbiotic relationship. We do a mitzvah, and the mitzvah brings us physical blessing, and the physical blessing that God gives us is also in turn meant to cause something spiritual. As the Talmud says, that the the activities of the Jewish people are even greater than the activities of a Baruch Hu. Why? Because the Eibishter, Hashem, created the world, something out of nothing. And the Jewish people, they returned the world from being something to nothingness. Meaning, God created the world to be something physical out of spirituality, out of God's words, God created the world. And a Jew is meant to take the physical world and to bring it back to spirituality by using the physical blessings that God gives us and to do something, using them for something, something spiritual. So on the one hand, all the blessings we have, they come, by keeping God's commandments, it increases God's blessings for all good things. On the other hand, the blessings that God sends are for more, they're for more to create something spiritual out of them as well, which brings even more blessings. And the main thing is we should have the main blessing of the coming Mashiach, the Karim Mamish. A good